Section 7 of Abe and Morris. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abe and Morris. Being Further Adventures of Potash and Perlmutter. By Montague Glass. Chapter 5. A Return to Arcady. Part 2. When Morris returned to his place of business that afternoon, he had packed Sam Green off to his store upstate with instructions to return in a week, during which Morris hoped to take the matter up with Abe. As for his hour-long absence from his place of business, Morris had provided himself with a plausible explanation in rebuttal to the quiet, ironical greeting that he knew would await him. His program was a little upset, however, by Abe's inquiry, which was not in the least ironical. "'Loafer! Where you been?' Abe demanded. "'What do you mean, loafer?' Morris cried. "'I mean, while you are fooling away your time, Mo Greaseman comes in here to see us, and naturally he don't find none of us here, so he goes away again. From us he goes straight over to Samet Brothers, and that's the way it goes.' "'But, Abe,' Morris protested, "'I thought you told me he cancels his order this morning "'and buys only from Klinger and Klein.' "'Sure, I know,' Abe said. "'But I suppose he finds out he couldn't find "'all the goods he wants with one concern, "'and now he goes over to Samet Brothers.' "'How do you know he went over to Samet Brothers?' "'Morris asked. "'A question. How do I know it?' Abe exclaimed. "'Ain't he left a memorandum I should ring him up there?' "'Well, why don't you ring him up and find out what he wants?' Morris retorted. "'What do I care what he wants, Morris?' Abe rejoined. "'Whatever he wants, he don't want it now, because them two cutthroats would suck him dry of orders. Once a fella gets into the hands of Samet Brothers, they won't let him go till he bought himself blue in the face.' "'Ring him up, anyhow,' Morris insisted. And the next moment Abe was engaged in a heated altercation with Central. Finally, he heard Leon Samet at the other end of the wire. "'Hello,' he yelled. "'I want to speak with Mr. Greaseman.' "'Never mind what I want to speak to him about. That's my business.' "'I ain't the fresh one. You're the fresh one. "'You're asking me something which you ain't got no right to ask me at all. "'You know well enough who it is talking.' After five minutes' further conversation, Leon relinquished his end of the wire to Greaseman and immediately thereafter Abe's voice diminished in harshness till it became fairly flute-like, with friendship and amiability. "'Oh, hello, Mr. Greaseman,' he said. "'Do you want to talk to me?' "'Why, no, Mr. Greaseman. He don't owe us nothing. He paid us this morning. Sure.' "'What did you want to know for?' "'Why should we sell his account, Mr. Greaseman?' He's a little slow, you understand, but he's quite good. That's all right. Goodbye. When he returned to the showroom, his face wore a puzzled expression. Well, Abe, what did he want? Morris asked. Abe shrugged his shoulders. I don't know what he's up to, Morris, Abe said, but he tells me he wants to buy from us Sam Green's account. So I told him Sam pays us this morning, and he rings off. "'Why should Mo Greaseman want to buy from us Sam Green's account?' Morris muttered to himself, and then a wave of recollection came over him. 
obviously it was mo griesman who had bought out sam's competitors and this caused sam's bank to shut down on him now mo griesman was attempting to buy up sam's liabilities and close him up so that there might be no competitor to mo's new business in cyprus at length the humor of the situation appealed to morris and he grinned vacuously at his partner no abe growled what are you laughing at nothing much abe morris replied i was only thinking that's all abe i was thinking to myself abe what a joke it would be supposing for instance sam's check should come back in g when sam green entered the smoker of the seven thirty train from syracuse to cyprus the following morning a well-dressed man of sixty followed him down the aisle and sat down in the same seat with him have a cigar the stranger said much obliged sam replied as he took it if it is just the same to you i would smoke it after dinner sure the stranger rejoined handing him another smoke that one after dinner and smoke this one now sam grinned and after they had lit up he ventured the observation that it was fine weather aber it should be colder he concluded for heavyweights oh are you in the clothing business the stranger asked i got a sort of a store sam replied clothing and cloaks and suits also a dry goods store in cyprus in cyprus sam's seatmate cried you don't tell me i'm going down to cyprus too my fall buying is through sam said i'm not selling goods this trip the stranger replied i'm on vacation a vacation sam murmured in cyprus that's a medina for a vacation there are worse places than cyprus my friend said sam's new-found acquaintance and thereat began a conversation that lasted until the train finally drew into cyprus would you mind telling me what is your name please sam asked as they prepared to leave the car certainly the stranger said handing his card to sam kirschner sam exclaimed looking at the card kirschner von unserer leute sure max kirschner replied did your father once run a store under the opera house here that's right and after he died the widow sells out to a man by the name of marcus senft the same one max replied why do you ask because i bought out that fellow marcus senft sam replied and they got on my books yet debts which your mother sold to senft for twenty-five cents on the dollar and he sold to me for ten cents i'll bet i know who owes him to max commented you could look him over if you want sam said as they started to walk down the hilly lane from the depot to the main street i will after i've washed up at the hotel hotel sam exclaimed what do you mean hotel we ain't go to no hotel you're coming home with me a fellow of an unsereloita should come to cyprus for a vacation and stay at a hotel an idea he linked his arm in max's and together they walked to sam's store we'll take a look in here first before we go up to the house sam said as he opened the door the next moment sam green was clasped to the ample bosom of leah green who glanced inquiringly at max kirschner mama sam announced this is mr max kirschner 
which he ought to be like an old friend on account he was born and raised in this here town and his father run this very store max looked around him at the shelves and showcases the same fixtures he muttered absently he's only in town for a couple of days mamma sam said hesitatingly so i thought we could easy fix up the spare room ain't it why sure mrs green replied as she shook max's hand warmly is the folks all well mr kirshner max smiled sadly you can judge for yourself mrs green he said because i'm all the folks there are oh sure mrs green hastened to say i remember now you never got married why how do you know that sam asked mrs green nodded her head sideways in sam's direction you don't never hear nothing mr kirshner she said with me the women folks schmoozes all the time and you could take it from me mr kirshner they talk a whole lot more about what happens forty years ago as what happens last week already max nodded as the store door opened and a woman of uncertain age entered good morning miss green the newcomer said her eyes glued on max kirshner i was just passing by on my way to the depot and i remembered that i needed a spool of thread mrs green passed behind the counter to reach the thread case going to syracuse today mr a she asked casually mrs durier blushed i'm on my way to see my sister's little granddaughter she explained she's just recovering from whooping cough would that be your sister libby max inquired mrs durier started visibly i don't know as i she began that's so max continued libby moved to elmira it must be carrie she married len peters didn't she well of all things mrs durier exclaimed who in the world told you all that i just remembered it max said holding out his hand how's tom mrs durier took the preferred hand gingerly he's pretty spry she said tell him max kirshner was asking for him max replied you ain't max kirshner mrs durier cried just as sure as you're haiti watson max said how are all the children haiti all growed up and flew away mrs durier replied what are you doing around here max's eyes twinkled mischievously i'm selling goods for mr green here he declared let's see haiti forty-two bust i should say he snatched a garment from a rack nearby here's a coat haiti that would stand you in forty dollars in syracuse he said one of those big dry goods stores there figures on a coat like this garment wholesale twenty dollars running a big store with elevators electric lights and all modern improvements ten dollars advertising five dollars profit five dollars total forty dollars we figure here cost of garment twenty dollars store expenses fifty cents profit four dollars and fifty cents total twenty five dollars put it on haiti and let's see how you look in the garment well i declare mrs durier exclaimed as she allowed herself to be assisted into the garment you take my breath away max stepped back to survey the effect and if the admiration expressed in his face was simulated at 
at least the friendliness of his smile was not. Now, Haiti, I want to tell you something, he declared. If anyone would say to me that I went to school with you, I'd think they'd had a bad memory. I'd tell him it was your mother that sat next to me in Miss Johnson's room and not you. Mrs. Durier fairly beamed as she strutted up and down the store. Well, Max, she said at last, let me bring my friend Miss Williams in this afternoon, and we'll decide on it then. But I thought you were going to Syracuse, Max rejoined. I was, Mrs. Durier said, as she started to leave, but I ain't now. The news of Max Kirshner's return spread through Cyprus like a brush fire, and twenty minutes after Mrs. Durier had left Sam Green's store, Max was holding a levy behind the old counter. By two o'clock he had greeted over fifty old friends, and at least twenty of them had made purchases in amounts varying from five to thirty dollars. "'As sure as you're standing there, Mr. Kirshner,' Sam declared, I sold more goods this morning as in the last two months. Max grinned delightedly. His face was flushed, and he looked at least ten years younger as he patted Sam on the shoulder. Look out for the rush this afternoon, he said. If we only had a better assortment, Green, I think we could keep this up for a week longer, and after that we could do a good steady business. We? Sam exclaimed. Max colored and smiled in an embarrassed fashion. "'Of course, I mean you,' he said. "'Why, of course?' Sam asked, and Mrs. Green nodded vigorously. "'Why not we, Mr. Kirshner?' "'Well, you see, I haven't sold goods at retail for so long,' Max explained, "'that I really don't know how.' Sam turned to Mrs. Green with a quick shrug. "'Was hast du gehört?' he cried. You don't know how? If I wouldn't know how to sell goods the way you don't know how, Mr. Kirshner, I would quick build up a good business here. Tell me, Mr. Kirshner, how much longer do you got a vacation? Because I'd like to make you a proposition. You could stay with me here for the rest of your vacation, and I would give you half of the profits over the cost price of every garment you sell. How's that? Very generous, Max said. But you don't know what you're offering me, Green, because the vacation might last for several years. Several years? Sam repeated. You mean you retired from business, Mr. Kirshner? Exactly, Max answered. With a fortune of two diamond rings, a diamond pin, and eight hundred and sixty-five dollars cash. Sam and Mrs. Green stared at him incredulously. In other words, Green, Max concluded, I have just been fired out of a job as traveling salesman which I held for twenty years, and I don't see a chance of getting another one. For a moment, Sam and his wife exchanged glances. Mr. Kirshner, Sam said, how much can you get from them diamonds? Fifteen hundred dollars, I guess, Max replied. Then what's the use of talking nonsense, Mr. Kirshner? Sam cried excitedly. Come along with me over to the Farmer's National Bank, and we'll see Mr. Fuller. If he would renew my accommodation for a thousand dollars, you and me would go as partners together in Fertig. Fuller? Max cried. That ain't Wilburim Fuller, is it? That's the one, Sam declared. Then we'll not only get him to renew the accommodation, Sam, but we'll sell him some shirts and neckties as well. 
he and i clerked together in van buskirk and patterson's as a sequel to max's visit to the farmer's national bank abe and morris waited in vain for the return of sam's check how did you know the check wasn't good morris abe asked his partner a week later i ain't said it ain't good abe morris protested i only seen markson which he works for Klinger and Klein as a bookkeeper in Hammersmith's today, and he says that Mo Greisman goes round trying to buy up all Sam Green's bills payable, and he's got about five hundred dollars worth now already. Sure, I know he did, Abe replied. He got from Kleinman and Ellenbogen Sam's three hundred and fifty dollar debt for two hundred and seventy five cash, and Sam sends him a check for the full amount the day before yesterday. I seen Louis Kleinman yesterday, and he was feeling pretty sore, I bet you morris nodded he had been completely mystified about sam's affairs since the arrival of a letter from cyprus addressed to morris personally wherein sam repaid the money advanced for his hotel accommodation and announced that he had abandoned for the present his intention of returning to new york morris's mystification was hardly abated by the following letter which arrived on the heels of the conversation above set forth samuel green and company dry goods and notions the k and m self-shaped corset cypress new york may one nineteen ten yours truly samuel green and company p s you should telegraph farmers national bank for references if he ain't satisfied to ship without it business is good s green gents we enclose your herewith memorandum of order kindly ship same within ten days by fast freight and oblige morris perlmutter's relations with saul klinger retained their cordiality despite the rupture between a potash and klinger and klein to be sure mo griesman's defection had rankled but morris consoled himself with the maxim business is business and when he met Saul Klinger in Hammersmith's restaurant during the first week of the spring buying season, he greeted Saul cordially. His friendly advance, however, was met with a decided rebuff. "'What's the matter now, Saul?' Morris asked. Saul nodded his head slowly. "'It's a great world, Morris,' he said. Morris agreed with him. "'There's business enough in it for everybody, anyhow, Saul, if that's what you mean.' he replied. "'In lots of places, yes, but in others, no,' Saul said. "'But with some people, Morris, they're like a snake in the grass, which it bites the hand that feeds it.' "'What's Mo Klein been doing now?' Morris asked. "'Mo Klein?' Saul cried. "'What do you mean, Mo Klein? I ain't talking about Mo Klein at all. I'm talking about Max Kirshner, Morris. There's a fellow which we give him for twenty years. Good wages, Morris, and what do we get for it after he leaves us, Morris? Left you, Morris interrupted. Why, I always thought you fired him. Sure we fired him, Saul continued. A low-life bum which he makes always a hog of himself. Why shouldn't we fire him? And then, Morris, when we're talking on Mo Griesman's nephew, Rabiner, what does that sucker Max Kirshner do? He turns around and fixes up with a fellow by the name Sam Green in Cyprus to go as partners together in Sam Green's store up there. And mind you, Morris, Mo Griesman had just bought out Sam Green's competitors, Van Buskirk and Patterson. And Max Kirshner knows all the time that the only reason we took on Mozart Rabiner was on account of his uncle, Mo Griesman. 
Saul Klinger was so interested in his own narrative that he completely failed to notice its effect on Morris Perlmutter, who sat with his jaw dropping lower and lower while great beads of perspiration stood on his forehead. "'Yes, Morris,' Saul continued. "'Mo Greaseman even comes down himself from Syracuse to Cyprus to superintend things. Five thousand dollars fixtures he puts in, and forty thousand dollars he pays to them two yokels, Van Buskirk and Patterson, for the goodwill, stock, and store building, and what happens? For a whole month, Mo sits in that store, and not a hundred dollars' worth of goods goes out of that place, Morris. And why?' seems that sam green and max kirshner does all the business because max kirshner's born and raised in cyprus and knows everybody in the place max was born and raised in cyprus morris gasped that's what i said saul replied that's a knockbar shot for a fellow to be worn in what morris nodded and rose wearily to his feet i never could remember the name of that place even at all he said well, I guess now I'd be getting back to the store. He got my permission, Saul said, as Morris started from the restaurant. These were destined to be the last words addressed to Morris by Saul Klinger in many a long day. For the moving incidents which awaited Morris's return to his showroom put an end to all friendship between him and Saul. Imprimis, when Morris entered, Mo Griesman was seated in the firm's private office, the center of an animated group of four. "'Hello there, Morris,' Mo shouted. "'There's a couple of gentlemen here which would like to talk to you.' He indicated a ruddy, clean-shaven person of approximately fifty years, who on closer inspection proved to be Max Kirshner, shorn of his white mustache and without the attendant nimbus of his diamond pin." The other individual was even harder to identify, by reason of a neat-fitting business suit of brown and a general air of prosperity, but in him Morris descried the person of what had once been Sam Green. "'Morris, you old rascal,' Max cried, "'when you took me over to the Prince Clarence Hotel that day, why didn't you tell me that the man you wanted me to go into business with ran a store in cyprus i couldn't remember the name of the place at all morris admitted abe gazed at him sorrowfully the fact is gentlemen he said my partner ain't got no head at all sam green's face flushed in recollection of the phrase never mind he said fervently he's got anyhow a heart and i've got a stomach max kirshner added irrelevantly at least I've recovered one since I've been eating Leah Green's good cooking. Sam and Mo Greaseman smiled sympathetically. Well, what's the use of wasting time here, boys? Mo said at last. Let's explain to Morris about the new combination. Me and Max and Sam Green here have agreed to go as partners together in Cyprus under the name the Cypress Dry Goods Company. In a small town like Cyprus, competition is next. Good, Morris exclaimed. I'm glad to hear it. Is the Syracuse store included, too? A ten percent interest they got, although I'm going to run my Syracuse business, and these here boys is going to run the Cypress end, Mo continued. And now, Abe, as Max has got to pick out a lot of goods for the Cypress store, and I want to do the same for my Syracuse store. Let's get to work. For three hours, without cessation, they labored, 
over Potash and Perlmutter's sample line, until garments to an amount in excess of $5,000 had been ordered. When Max Kirshner saw the total of Mo Griesman's selection for the Syracuse store, he emitted a low whistle. "'Say, Mo," he said, "'ain't you going to give your nephew Rabiner any show at all this season?' Stuck, Griesman declared. I've done enough of that fellow when I got him three years' contract with Klinger and Klein. End of section seven.